Good morning. How are we, Great Oaks? You guys ready for the word? All right. It's always this side over here that's more ready than anyone else. You guys are ready over here, right? And it's Washington. I can hear Washington all the way from here. So welcome if you're at Germantown, Washington Online. We are excited that you're gathering with us today. Uh, Exodus chapter 16, if you have your Bible. There was this story I was reading in the news the other day. It happened somewhere in the north, like Minnesota, North Dakota, um, Wisconsin, I don't know, somewhere like that where people barely survived the winter, those kind of places. And so they, they, it was a story about this caravan of guys. They, they were on a road trip, four trucks, about 12 guys in all. They were going on this road trip, and, and it was snowing, and it was dark outside, and they were on this kind of windy road, and they came around a corner, and the, the driver of the lead truck had to like slam on the brakes before he ran into this car right around the corner, and it turned out that there was this wreck, that there had been a, been a wreck, and so they all got out, snowing, it's slippery, it's dark, they all get out, and they go check this thing out, and there's no ambulances, no fire trucks yet, it's just happened. And they find this, this suburban has turned over and making the curve and, and sliding has turned over on its side. And there is a woman, um, a woman trapped underneath, pinned underneath this suburban. And so some of these guys are firefighters and, and stuff like that, you know, volunteer firefighters in their communities. And, and so they, they decide we got to do something. We got we to do something now because it may catch fire and this woman will be in big trouble if it catches fire. And so, so they start to think we got to lift this suburban, this full-size suburban off of this woman. And then this guy that was in the fourth truck, the last truck, kind of walks up from the back of the crowd, big guy, like a modern-day lumberjack, like a literal logger, like beard, flannel, muscles, the whole thing, all right? We have one in our church, but I'm not going to point him out, all right? I'm not going to point him out, but he looks like Thor. But anyway, so, <laughs> so it's like that guy, and, he's, and he gets up in front, and he, he kind of pushes, walks up from the back, and he pushes one of the guys out of the way. And he just goes, I got this. And he steps up to this Suburban and he, he does like a deadlift stance and he does the power lifter like three, three breaths, right? Like, <coughs> I can't do it because I'm coughing. <laughs> Plus, I've never been a power lifter. You can probably tell. But he does three breaths. He's like, <coughs> ah! and he's straight on. He lifts the Suburban off of this woman. I mean, this crazy thing happens. And all the guys, the other 11, are like shocked. They're like, what? And they almost forget to, to get the woman out. But then they remember, and they get out of their shock, and they get the woman out. She was saved. That didn't really happen. Did it? I just made that up, right? That didn't happen. Why? A guy can't, guy can't lift a full-size Suburban on some snowy, icy road. I know some guys are like, challenge accepted. All right, let's go check this out. You can't do it. Why not? Why can't one guy go out on some snow-covered, ice-covered road and lift a full-size Suburban? Why? This is an easy question. You guys ready? Easy answer. Why can't he do it? It's too heavy, right? It's too, it's too heavy. The thing is too heavy. If that was a true story that was actually in the news, it would have ended this way. The guy would have like broken his leg or strained his, his, his quad or something like that. He'd be limping off. And the other 11 guys would be like, you're, you're a moron. What are you doing, right? 
What do you, you can't lift this. The thing is too heavy. And the other 11 would have got up and, and maybe been able to lift this suburban off of this woman. That's how it would have ended if this thing was, was real. We all had friends, family, loved ones go through incredibly difficult times in their lives, right? Earth-shattering, life-shattering tragedies, like the loss of a loved one or financial ruin or illness or addiction or something like that, and, and they're just struggling. And, and as a pastor, I, I have the privilege of walking through tragedies with people on a regular basis. And, and here's what I always tell Somebody who comes in, they talk to me about how they're in this tragedy and it's just so difficult. Here's what I always tell them. I always tell them, you got this. You can do this alone. You know what? You don't need any help. I know people tell you you need help. You don't need any help. Solo. That's the word I want you to think of as you're going through this tragedy. As you carry this difficulty, I just want you to do it all by yourself. That's what I always tell them. No, it's not. That's not what I tell them. That's not what you tell them either, right? What do you tell them? If your friend or your family is going through something different, difficult, you say, don't do it alone, right? Don't try to make it through this thing alone. The thing is too heavy for you. Don't try to carry this tragedy alone. Find some people who can help you. I think, I think some of us are carrying things that are too heavy for us to carry, and it's, it's almost silly. It's like comical. Like a guy trying to lift a full-size Suburban off the ground while 11 of his friends watch. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It's obviously too heavy. We're in a series of messages called Rescued on the book, the Old Testament book of Exodus. And We've just been going through this chapter by chapter. Exodus is the account of God rescuing the people of Israel out from under the tyranny of Pharaoh in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt, and, and God rescues them with a strong hand. It's this epic tale of gods and kings doing battle for the, for the hearts of men and women, the affections of men and women, the souls of men and women. And if you've missed any of these messages, make sure you get them off of iTunes or our website. Um, but uh, I, we've made it through chapter 15 so far, and I've been asking you each week, because we can't cover every verse in all 40 chapters, to make sure that you read the chapters that we do cover uh, with your life group, with your family, with your spouse, after we cover them. So read through chapters 16 through 18 uh, this week with your life group, friend, family, spouse, something like that. But so far, God has led the people of Israel out of Egypt with a strong hand. He's proven his power and his superiority over all aspects of nature, over all Egyptian false gods, over the most powerful man in the world at the time. And the Israelites, they have complained, they have doubted. There, there were some times that they obeyed and some times that they disobeyed throughout this whole thing. In the chapters that we covered just before what we're going to cover today, um, God told the Israelites to camp next to the Red Sea, right? And, and so they're camping there, and Pharaoh's army starts to pursue them. So Red Sea in front of them, Pharaoh's army coming behind them, and they panic. 
They flip out. They freak out. And Moses goes, hey, just calm down. Just stand firm. Be still and trust that the Lord will save you. And they say something like this to, to Moses. They say, what? Were there, were there not enough graves in Egypt? Like, well, you just brought us out here to find a grave for this many people? Is that, is that what this is about? We're about to die in the, the wilderness. And God saves them like he said he would. And then a few verses after he parts the Red Sea and this miraculous thing happens, the people of Israel are complaining again. They're complaining again. But where we pick up the story today, the people have just camped at Elam, which is this place of palm trees and springs of water. But they're on a, they're on a journey with a purpose, right? A mission. They, they need to get to the promised land. They're not supposed to just hang out. But they've been for weeks at Elam, and God says, okay, it's time to move again. It's time to start moving towards the promised land. And, and this is what happens in the second verse of chapter 16 in the book of Exodus. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Okay, so they're complaining again. Like, we wish we were back in Egypt where we had meat and bread. We should have died there, but you brought us out here. They're complaining again. God's done incredible miracles, amazing things in their midst, and yet they are still complaining. They want bread. They want bread. So that's how, that's how chapter 16 starts. Let's fast forward one chapter, and I want to show you how chapter 17 starts. Verse 2 of chapter 17. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So, so there it is again. This time they're thirsty, complaining as if God hadn't already given them water, complaining like they can't like they don't have water. We won't, we won't camp here very long in these two verses about complaining. But I want to I give you just two things to think about. Two things to think about with complaining. First of all is this. Complaining maximizes your current hardship, right? Complaining maximizes your current hardship. So the people of Israel are, are complaining, but it's not as bad as they're saying it is. You are complaining, but it's not as bad as you say it is. The, the best way we see this is through our kids, right? They complain about things as if they're life and death, right? If you've had kids or, or been around a, a younger brother or sister or something like that, you've seen them say something like, like, I can't go without Xbox for a whole day. I'll die, right? Um, you, you keep making me do chores. All I do is chores. I'm just a slave, right? A couple weeks ago, Hannah, my three-year-old, was getting ready for bed, and her mom was getting her ready for bed, and, and her mom said, no, she can't have another drink. You know how that goes? Like, I don't know if it was like the seventh drink or the second or whatever, but no, we can't have another drink. And my daughter Hannah just goes, I never get to drink. 
And then she goes, fine. I'm never going to drink milk or water again. I was like, girl, you try to hold out, all right? You try. Let's see how strong you are, you know? So she's on day seven. No, I'm kidding. Um, I'm kidding. The next morning, she'd forgotten all about it. But complaining, it maximizes your current hardship. The Israelites, listen, the Israelites weren't starving. They had quail. God had given them quail to eat. They weren't dying of thirst. God was giving them water when they needed it. But complaining, it it maximizes your current hardship. The other thing complaining does is complaining maximizes your current hardship and it minimizes your past hardship. Oh, to get the bread we had in Egypt, am I right? If we could just go back to Egypt and get the meat and bread we had there, I miss the bread in Egypt. Genocide, beatings, people dying. It was great in Egypt, right? Oh, I, I wish we could go back to the good old days before Instagram and Facebook when I would just take a picture of my food with my camera, <laughs> then I'd get the film developed, then I'd carry the picture around to my neighbors and friends. I wish we were back in the good old days. Right? Some people say, I wish I lived in the 1800s where life was quieter and simpler. Yeah, leaching, no running water, electricity, toilets. And leeching, right? That'd be great. Listen, beloved, the truth is, it wasn't, the good old days weren't that good. The good old days were not that good. The Israelites didn't have it good in Egypt. It was horrible. And yet they're going, I wish I could go back to Egypt. Your good old days weren't that good. It wasn't that great. You were complaining then. Let's just be honest. You were complaining then. But it's because complaining, it minimizes your current hardship, maximizes your current hardship, I should say, and minimizes your your past hardship. It gets you confused. Okay, so the people people are complaining. And and when you complain, you can think about these two things. Remember these two things. But in chapters 16 and 17, Each time they complain, Moses goes to God and he says, these people, your people, are causing me all kinds of heartache. They're, like, they're killing me. In fact, in chapter 17, he literally says, they're about to kill me, okay? They're going to stone me to death if I don't figure this thing out. And so he's going to God asking him to fix this, asking him to to do something. And in chapter, this is a question, I'm going to ask you a question, and you're going to know the answer to it, okay? So just say it out loud when you know the answer to it. So you've seen this movie before, right? So, so in chapter 16, they want bread. They really, really want bread. And what is God's answer to that? Okay, one person knows that manna was sent in Exodus. You guys need to read the Bible. Let's do it, baby. Has anybody in this room or watching online or at the Washington campus, raise your hand, if you've ever heard of manna. Has anybody ever heard of, okay, I was just making sure. I just didn't know. Um, I just didn't know. So so God's answer to them wanting bread was manna. Literally, it was bread from heaven. Bread from heaven. Manna literally means what is it? 
And so in Hebrew, so they just walked out and they're like, what is it? What is it? What is it? Okay, let's call it what is it. That's basically what happened. But they had bread from heaven in the morning and quail to eat in the evening. God, they asked for bread. God provided manna. In chapter 17, they wanted water. Moses goes to God and says, you got to do something. So, so God tells Moses to take his staff and to strike a rock in the desert, and it starts to produce water. Now, there's like over a million people, so it's a lot of water, right? And they drink their fill. So they wanted bread. God provided manna. They wanted water. God provided water. But I want to show you a couple other things in chapter 16 with the manna, okay? So the people had this other need. They had another need that they didn't really realize that they had. They were asking for bread, but they had this other need that God was going to fill. And so God, God gave them manna, but he also told them not to take too much manna. He told through Moses, he said, Don't, you, need to, you need to gather the manna, the bread, for that day, on that day, so that every day you will depend on me. Are you tracking with me so far? And so he said, don't gather two days of bread. Just gather one day and just enough for your family. And then it says this in Exodus 16, verse 19. And Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it over till morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning. And it bred worms and it stank. And Moses was angry with them. And so some people did exactly what Moses, that God, through Moses, told them not to do. They gathered too much. They tried to keep it for the morning. They didn't trust the Lord to provide the next day. Skip down to verse 22. Then on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh, the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. So God here institutes the Sabbath. He goes, Six out of seven days, you're going to work. But the seventh day is holy unto me. So you need to gather double the amount on Friday so that Saturday you don't gather any. You rest, right? So that's, and we'll talk a little bit more about that next week when we get into the Ten Commandments. But let's keep reading. Verse 27. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. So again, some of them do exactly what God through Moses tells them not to do. It's probably the same people, right? The same people who held some manna overnight are now not trusting God to provide manna on the Sabbath. And so they're going out or trusting God that their Friday manna will last them through Sunday. And so they go out on Saturday to gather bread and there is none. But here's, here's what I want you to see here. They, they asked for bread, but what they needed was rest. 
They asked for bread, but what they needed was rest. They needed one day out of seven to reset, to recharge, to refocus on God. They asked for bread. They needed rest. God gave them both, right? God gave them both. And in chapter 17, they needed water, and God gave them that. So they asked for bread. They needed bread. God provided. They needed rest. God provided. They needed water. God provided. All of their physical needs, God provided. They were, they were anxious, stressed, scared. And it led to this complaining and wanting to go back to Egypt. And even after God provided, it led to hoarding and disobedience. So why was all this happening? Why were they doing this? It's, it's because they were trying to carry something that they weren't supposed to be carrying. You see, the Israelites, they still thought it was all on them. They still thought it was all on them to follow God to the promised land, to figure everything out, to get their needs met, to find something to eat, to find something to drink, to rest when they're supposed to rest. They thought it was all on them, and the weight was too much for them to carry. The thing was too heavy. Even the basics, too heavy, too heavy. They were being crushed by the weight of it, and it was causing bad decisions based on Faulty, false premise after false premise and, and faulty logic and sin. Bad decisions based on all of that. They were, they were scared. And a lot of you, a lot of you are so stressed. You're so anxious, scared. And, and it's causing you to make bad decisions. Bad decisions based on false premise after false premise. Faulty logic and sin. If that's you, if you're being crushed by the weight of what you're carrying, I, I think that feeling anxious and feeling stressed, I really think there are two reasons for that, but, but this is outside of, outside of you being in the, in the small minority that's been clinically diagnosed with an anxiety disorder, I really believe that, that there are really just two reasons that you would feel anxious and stressed if, you, if you're a Christ follower or you want to be a Christ follower. So, but even if you do, even if you are in that small minority that's been clinically diagnosed with an anxiety disorder, you've got panic attacks and all of that, even then I would say the principles behind the two reasons I'm going to give you today would help you carry that. It would help you deal with that, okay? You tracking with me? And so I really, I really think there are two reasons, and I'll give you the first one here. The first one is that God, God didn't design you to carry this. You're stressed and anxious because whatever it is you're carrying, you're not designed to carry it. You're not supposed to carry it. Somewhere along the way, you picked something up that you are not designed to carry. And because of that, you're being crushed under the weight of it, right? You're being crushed under the weight of it. The thing is too heavy. God didn't design you to carry it. Food, water, rest. God will provide. You just have to trust God. You're not supposed to carry it. But somewhere along the way, you picked it up. It reminds me of what Jesus said in Luke 12. Jesus in Luke 12 is talking to a, a crowd of anxious, stressed out people, much like we probably have in the seats and watching online and at Washington campus today. Anxious, 
stressed out people in Luke 12. And he he says this in verse 22. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will wear, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. And then Jesus talks about the ravens and the lilies. And he says, hey, look at the ravens. They don't, they don't worry about where they're going to get fed or where they're going to get food. And look at the lilies. They don't worry about the clothes they're going to wear. And yet God provides for both of them. And he says, you are much more valuable than grass and birds. So how much more will God provide for you? And then in verse 29, he says, so do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Verse 31, instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Listen to verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God God didn't design you to carry this. He didn't design you to try to hold it up. The thing is too heavy. Whatever it is you're trying to hold, it's, it's just too heavy. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what, that's what this is saying in Exodus. The thing is too heavy. He will provide. You only have to trust him. You only have to trust him. You only have to run after his kingdom. So, so Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. Run after the kingdom. So keep your eyes on the kingdom. Don't look down at yourself and start to worry, where am I going to get what I need? What am I going to do to find food and, and money and bread for my table and clothes? Don't look down at yourself. And don't look to your left or to your right and get distracted. Jesus is going, keep your eyes on the kingdom. Just keep moving step by step towards the kingdom of God. And he says, it's your father's good pleasure to give it to you. He takes pleasure in giving you the kingdom. And he'll take care of the rest as well. Okay, let's, let's look at one more thing um, in our Exodus passage. It's actually... Actually, two things happen in the rest of chapter 17 and in chapter 18, but I think they make one unifying point that I just want to give to you for your consideration and for you to think about this week. So the, the, the people need food, and God gives manna. The people need rest, and God gives Sabbath. The people need water, and God provides it, right? And then at the end of chapter 17, the army of Amalek comes against the Israelites. So it's kind of one of the first big skirmishes that the Israelites have since they've left Egypt with another people group. And so they don't really have an army. So Joshua, Moses tells Joshua, hey, go find some people who might be able to fight. And so he goes and gets some guys and he goes out to fight the Amalekites. Because this is the end of chapter 17. And and Moses, during this battle, he's on a hill overlooking the battlefield. And it says that, you know that, that in this story so far, in this account in Exodus so far, that Moses, Moses was given this miraculous ability to do, do miracles with his staff, right? And so he, it turned into a snake, it stopped and started plagues, it, he used it to, to part the Red Sea, he struck a rock and water came out of it. It's not a magic staff, right? It's not like somebody in my life group was joking this last week when we were talking about this, and he goes, man, where can I get a staff like that, 
right? Like, where, well, I want to see this. It's not, it's not a magic stuff. It's God, God's power. But every time to this point, Moses has had to step out in faith and use this staff that God gave him to perform a miracle. And this is no different. So he's on a hill. He's watching the battle between the Israelites and the Amalekites. And he raises his staff. And when he raises his staff, the Israelites begin to win the battle. The problem is that Moses is 80 and he's tired. And so he can't keep the staff up. And so he drops it. And when he lowers the staff, the Amalekites start to win the battle. Raise the staff, the Israelites win. Lower the staff, the Amalekites win. So the Amalekites are going to win, right? Because it's too heavy. The thing's too heavy. He can't, he can't hold it up. He can't keep it up so that, so that the Israelites will win. So they're going to they're gonna lose. Look at, look at chapter 12 of, I mean, verse 12 of chapter 17. It, said, it says, but Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and they put it under him. And he sat on it while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. So, so the Israelites are saved. They win the battle because Aaron and Hur come on each side of Moses and they hold his hands up because the thing was too heavy. Then in chapter 18, what happens is that Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, kind of shows up for a visit. Remember, Moses was in Midian for 40 years before the burning bush happened. So 40 years, he, he marries, he has kids, and he gets this father-in-law named Jethro. So Jethro shows up, and Jethro, the first thing he says on his visit is he, he starts to praise God for what he's done, the God of the Israelites. And, and so he says a statement like, like, now I know, Jethro goes, now I know that the God of the Israelites is greater than any other God. He's greater than any other God. So he, he praises the Lord. And then in chapter 18, starting in verse 13, here's what happens. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people. And the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone? And all the people stand around you from morning till evening. And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire God, inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another. And I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Okay, so in addition to all the other things that are going on and Moses is doing, he's also started this habit of sitting before the people and deciding their disputes. So a million people are coming to Moses to get their disputes Settled. He's the one guy who's making those decisions. Let's keep reading. Verse 17. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I'll give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which 
they must walk and what they must do. Verse 21, moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. Jethro goes, the thing is too heavy for you. You're going to wear yourself out. You can't possibly keep going the way that you're going. The people are going to wear out, and you're going to wear out. He goes, get help. Get help. Now, if there's one person who could probably handle this. It's Moses, right? I mean, this is Moses. If there's one person that could, that could possibly handle this, it would be Moses. But, but he could go, I got this. I got this, but he doesn't. He, he realizes that he needs help. He trusts the word of his father-in-law. And he spreads the weight out in the battle of chapter 17 with the Amalekites, Moses is holding that staff and he gets tired. It's too heavy. He just, he just wears out. It's so exhausting. And with the people, leading the people and deciding their disputes and sun up to sun down, trying to help everybody, Moses gets tired. He gets worn out. You know what? Maybe you're in the same place. Maybe you're holding something you're not supposed to be holding by yourself and you're just tired. You're exhausted. And you're being crushed under the weight of what you're, you're holding. You're worried, stressed, scared. And it's leading to bad decisions based on false premise after false premise, faulty logic and sin. Maybe you're in that place you're feeling that anxiety and that stress because God didn't design you to carry this. Or maybe it's because God didn't design you to carry this alone. Listen, beloved, you are not alone. Whatever it is you're carrying, whatever it is you feel like God has given you to accomplish, he didn't give it to you to accomplish alone. There's not one person that God gave something to do, to accomplish, to be on them, by themselves. It just doesn't work that way. You are not designed to carry this thing alone. You're not supposed to carry it alone. Many of you, you don't have an Aaron or a her to hold your arms up like Moses did. These are peers in the faith. These are, these are brothers and sisters in Christ, your spouse, your, your friends, people who are in the same season of life and faith as you, who know you well enough to see that you're struggling and want you to succeed in doing God's will in your life enough that they won't just see you struggling, but they'll step into the mess and they'll hold your arms up. Not so that they get glory, not so that they accomplish what they're supposed to accomplish, but just so that you, their friend, their peer, their loved one in the faith, brother and sister in Christ, that you accomplish what God has called you to accomplish. Some of you, you don't have these errands and these hers, these peers in the faith to hold 
your arms up. Some of you, you have some of those, but you, you don't have any wise Jethro's. You, you're living life without Jethro. Listen, you need both. You don't want to always go and get advice from Aaron and her. Nor do you want Jethro to come and try to hold your arms up. You need both. These are different people with different purposes. A lot of us, we are leaning on the advice of our peers only. And it's creating this echo chamber of immaturity that is that is ruining our lives. It is causing heartache upon heartache. You don't go to Aaron and her for advice. You go to Jethro for advice. There are wise Jethros all around. Maybe it's your mom or your dad. Maybe it's your mother-in-law, your father-in-law, like it was for Jethro. But maybe it's just somebody you know who's a little farther along than you are, who's been where you are. Maybe it's somebody who's discipled you, mom or dad in the faith. But maybe it's, just, maybe it's just somebody who's a little older than you in the church, an older couple who's been where you are in your marriage. But maybe it's just somebody who's a little bit farther along than you are. Maybe, maybe you're struggling because God didn't design you to carry this alone. And man, I wish we had something at Great Oaks. Some kind of organized way to help you do life with one another. Don't you? I mean, I wish we had some organized way to help you do life together and get around Aaron's and hers, peers in the faith, and Jethro's, you know, parents in the faith, and do life together and carry one another's burdens. I wish we had some kind of, oh wait, we do. It's called life groups. If you're not in a life group, man, you are missing out. That's what life groups are all about. Carrying one another's burdens, drawing closer to Christ together, growing together. And I know you think you can do that outside of life groups, and if you can, all the power to you. I just know that most of you can't. That you say you will, but you don't have a, a, an intentional time where you get together and talk about Jesus with a group of people who want to carry your burdens. You just don't. And so, and it doesn't happen on Sundays. We have a 30-second countdown for you to greet people. Did you guys carry some burdens during that time today? You felt like you really, you know, Galatians 6, carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. 30 seconds, got it done. No, can't do that on a Sunday morning. So if you're not in a life group, man, you are missing out. Get into a life group today. But let me, let me end today's message by, by just saying that, that the crux of this whole thing is obedience. It's obedience, but we don't obey God unless we trust God. So you can say you trust God, but if you don't step out in obedience, you don't actually trust him, right? And if you don't trust him, you're not going to step out in obedience. And so really, trust leads to obedience. Trust 
leads to obedience. And we're talking about reasons for stress and anxiety. We're talking about the fact that we are stressed, anxious, and scared. And the opposite of those things is peace, right? Jesus said that he gives peace, but not as the world gives peace. And so we're all after peace. Well, trust, it leads to obedience, and obedience to God leads to peace. And that's what we're all after. That's what we want. But it starts with trusting and obeying. It starts with trusting and obeying. So this is not about God providing. He does, and he will. It's not about the errands and the hers holding your arms up. They do, and they will. It's not about Jethro's giving wise counsel. They do, and they will. We'll say, because I think we sometimes will make excuses, right? We'll say things like, well, I mean, if God would put a loaf of bread on my lawn every morning, I'd probably trust him, right? I mean, if God would send me his will in an email, I'd do what he said, but you wouldn't. The Israelites had miracle after miracle, physical manifestation of God's power after physical manifestation of God's power, and still they disobeyed, they complained, they didn't trust. Even if you never see a miracle like the Israelites saw, you still have more than they had. More reason to trust, more reason to obey, because you have God's word. You have the resurrection power of Christ at work in you. Listen, you have God, the Holy Spirit, the opportunity for God, the Holy Spirit, to live in you. You have his church. You already have so much more than these Israelites ever had. No excuse The thing is too heavy for you. God didn't design you to carry it, and he didn't design you to carry it alone. He'll provide food, water, rest, help from brothers and sisters, peers in the faith, advice, wise counsel from parents in the faith. God will provide. Think about the Israelites for a moment. They God had done all these amazing things, and, and yet they still complained. And, and Moses told them, don't gather too much manna. Don't gather more than one day. And, and don't go out on Sabbath because it's a, it's a holy day. And God will provide enough on Friday so that you don't have to go on Saturday. And he does all that. And still, they disobeyed. They didn't trust that God was going to provide each day the bread for that day. They didn't trust. On the other side, think about Moses for a second. Moses is holding the staff up. Get, get your mind back to the battle with the Amalekites. He's on a hill and he's, holding, he's 80 years old and he's holding the staff up and he's sweating and his arms are shaking and Aaron and her, they come up and they go, hey, uh, we'll help you. Imagine if Moses goes, no, I got this. I've been working out. Imagine if he did that. I mean, this is Moses. If anybody could do it, it's him, but he doesn't. He goes, thank you. And he sits down and they hold his arms up and the Israelites are saved. Think about advice from a father-in-law. How many of you men just love getting advice from your father-in-law? Anybody? I thought we'd get somebody who might love it. 
I actually do love it. My, I have a father-in-law who knows way more than I do. So I love getting advice from my father-in-law. But most people don't like it. Moses, he has his father-in-law show up. I mean, Jethro hasn't been with him through this whole thing. And he, he shows up and he gives him advice on leading a million people. I mean, Moses could have been like, uh, when was the last time you led a million people out from under the tyranny of the most powerful man in the world, Pops? I mean, have you started and stopped plagues from heaven before? I thought not. Why don't you leave the leading to me and you go on now? I got this. But he didn't. If anybody could have, it would have been Moses. But he didn't. He trusted he knew that he couldn't carry this thing alone, and he trusted in God, and he trusted in the people that God brought into his life. He trusted, and he obeyed. Beloved, what you're carrying, it's too heavy. It's not just that you can't carry it. It's that no one can carry it on their own. No one can carry it. You weren't designed to carry this thing, and you weren't designed to carry this thing on your own. No more than then you were designed to walk up to a full-size suburban on a snowy road and just pick the thing up by yourself to free somebody trapped under it. You can't do it. It's too heavy. You can't carry what you're carrying no more than you could get through a life-shattering, earth-shattering tragedy on your own. You can't do it. You need to trust. You need to trust God. Give him your burdens. He will provide. But you also need to trust people, peers, and parents in the faith to carry this burden with you at all of our campuses, online, Germantown, Washington. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you that you have not left us alone to carry the burdens we carry. That you are always with us and that you bring people alongside us to help us. I guess my prayer um, is that you would open our eyes to see the reason for our stress, our anxiety. That we would find what it is that quickly your Holy Spirit would bring it to our minds. What is it that we are carrying, that we should just let go of 100%. We're not designed to carry it. What are we worrying about that's not ours to worry about? What are we stressed about because we weren't designed to carry it at all? I pray that you would bring those things to mind and that we would quickly cast those burdens on you and trust you with them. I also pray, God, that you would bring to mind any burden that we're supposed to carry, we're just not supposed to carry it alone. We're supposed to have Aaron's and hers, peers in the faith, Jethro's, parents in the faith, that are supposed to come alongside us, but, but we're not allowing that to happen in our lives. We may say, oh, I just don't have that. I just can't find that. But it's just an excuse. They're all around us. We just have to go to them. So I pray that you would open our eyes to see that and that we would quickly... Find those brothers and sisters in the faith, moms and dads in the faith, to help us carry this burden that you've given us to carry together. God, for those in this room who have yet to give their life over to you, they are 
stressed, anxious, scared, worried. And they're making bad decisions based on false premise after false premise, faulty logic, based on sin, based on this idea that they alone carry the weight. I pray for those who walked into this room this way, who are watching online today and feel this way. I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. Jesus, that you would cause them to cross that finish line of faith today, that they would cast the burdens of their life on you and trust you with them, that today would be the first time that they really trust and obey. If that's you in this room, as we continue with an attitude of prayer, just eyes closed and heads bowed, if that's you, I just want to give you a moment to make a decision. Don't leave here the same. Don't leave here the way you came in. Decide right now that you are going to trust the Lord and obey him. If that's you, just say a prayer. Just pray to the Lord in your own way. God, help me. I need you. I want to give my life to you. I can't carry what I'm carrying. I'm sinful. I'm imperfect. I don't deserve your help. And yet I know that you... Jesus died for me. You carried the weight of sin, the weight of death on the cross. So today, I, I want to trust in that. I want to trust in you. Make me new. Make me yours. Make me different. If that's you, just... Make sure you tell somebody that you want to make that decision. Somebody you came with, somebody you respect. Maybe go and pray with one of our prayer workers during our last song. We're going to have some I've Decided packets they can hand you, they can help you walk through this. Some wise Jethro's to help you. Make sure you do that. Lord, I pray for those in this room who would, who would want to make that decision. I pray that you would protect that seed of the gospel. Jesus said it would find fertile ground, good soil in the hearts of many, and that it would bear fruit. We love you, Jesus. We give you our burdens. We cast our anxiety on you. We ask for your peace, your peace that surpasses understanding. It's in your holy and precious name that we pray. Everybody said amen. Why don't you stand with me? Here's my prayer for us today. May we find healing from this chronic condition of complaining that plagues so many of us. May we trust God to provide so much that we obey him. And may we always seek out others, peers and parents in the faith, to carry burdens with. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming today. Make sure you come next week and bring somebody with you. Talk this over with your life group this week. If you haven't gotten into a life group, make sure you stop at Connection Central. We'll get you plugged in today. You need a life group of friends, Christ followers, to help you carry these burdens. And as always, leave here not dismissed, but sent. Be a Jesus follower who makes and disciples other Jesus followers. We'll see you next week.